This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by a very special guest and a very accomplished leader. We're joined by Wendy Horton. Wendy's the CEO of the University of Virginia Medical Center. She's had that magnificent career where she's been involved in operations before being uh, uh, assuming the helm of the organization and a great reputation. We're going to talk to Wendy today about leadership, about uh, how competition and strategy is evolving, about UVA, and a lot more. Wendy, can you take a moment, tell us about yourself, and tell us a little bit about UVA Medical Center today. Great. Well, thanks, Scott. Uh, it's great to be here, and thanks so much for having me. Um, I thought maybe I'd start by sharing a little bit about myself and, and how I grew up in a small town in Southern California, and I, I really credit kind of the diversity in my community during my upbringing to, to really some of the best preparation that, that's helped me relate and deeply care for, for both patients and, and families alike. And um, there's no healthcare in my, my background or my family. And uh, when I was uh, 15, I had the opportunity to go away for a year and studied in Australia. And as part of that experience, I was able to shadow in a corner drugstore. And it was at that precise moment, I remember, that I wanted to be a pharmacist. And so that really shaped a lot of that upbringing. Um, I went to pharmacy school at Oregon State at, um, and OHSU in Portland and, and worked there as a pharmacist for, for several years and relocated to Salt Lake City, where I worked at uh, University of Utah and uh, did a lot of skiing and had a lot of fun and went back to get my doctorate there and then moved to the University of Wisconsin. And... Um, I would say there are so many uh, opportunities to really help the organization, both within pharmacy and outside pharmacy, and uh, later had the opportunity to serve as the director of surgery. And this was really my first role outside of pharmacy. I, I worked in that role for uh, five years and also went back to get my MBA and uh, then helped build the, the hospital. Um, it's a really wonderful time in my career and gave me the exposure to, to all facets of the organization. Um, I then went to Ohio State, and I worked there in a broadening role with the College of Medicine and the practice plan, and I took on this role to help understand how to work with physicians and, and really take a minute to walk in their shoes, uh, helped implement the compensation plan there, a lot with physician recruitment, and really had the opportunity to study the academic side of an academic medical center, really understanding research and teaching in those important mission areas. And now I'm at the University of uh, Virginia. It's an absolutely beautiful place here with amazing people. And I came here at the beginning of the pandemic about a year and a half ago and um, have the um, distinct privilege of serving as the CEO of the medical center here. And uh, UVA is is really what I would consider a, a growing tertiary and quaternary health system, now uh, over a thousand beds. And in July, we became full owners of UVA Community Health, which includes the three hospitals in, in Northern Virginia. And recently, uh, just a few weeks ago, designated as a comprehensive cancer center. So lots of wonderful things taking shape at UVA, and I, I really consider it a very special place. I'm going to come back to a serious question in a moment, but, but when I look at the career between Cavaliers, Buckeyes, Badgers, Utes, and Ducks, any favorites amongst all the college towns that you've had the great pleasure of being a part of? Oh my goodness, that that's a that's a um, an ammunition there. 
you know, it's been wonderful. The, the collegiality of all the sports teams and the rivalries between them, um, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State, you can't get more football than that. And, and now here at Virginia, I'm looking forward to the basketball uh, as well. So uh, lots of good times. Well, I, I do know that the Virginia Cavaliers just absolutely beat up on my alma mater, one of my alma maters in years Illinois a couple weeks ago. So, so football may be in the equation there as well. It certainly doesn't seem like it is in my hometown. It, yeah. um, it, 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 let, let me ask you a, a more serious question about competition and strategy. Uh, UVA has grown tremendously the last several years. The health system, the impact, the academic and medical center, I mean, really has made great strides over the last couple of decades. How is competition and strategy evolving? You've been at a number of academic medical centers, which are just a magnificent part of our ecosystem. What are some of the things you're seeing when you think about competition, strategy, and so forth? Yeah, great question. I would have to say that COVID has really changed my answer to this question. Um, The pandemic, as you know, has impacted how we think of competition and strategy and before I would say competition, I thought of health systems and, and how we interface with markets and how we interact with new technology or maybe even the new entrance into healthcare. But right now at this moment, I would say that the biggest competition from my perspective is really around labor in our workforce. And, and this is such a nationwide problem right now. Um, and we always knew that we were going to be faced with the shortages. However, you know, COVID's just really exacerbated this, um, not to mention, you know, some people are retiring earlier. And sadly, um, I'm seeing even some individuals burning out and leaving the profession altogether. So um, the concept of becoming a traveler is is gained in popularity, um, which, uh, from my perspective, further perpetuates the problem and really financially unsustainable for many hospitals and health systems. So um, it, and it, it's not just nursing, it is, extends to respiratory therapists and all our support teams. Um, so the strategy, I think, is how will we re- redefine our care models? How will we deliver care differently? And how are we working to bolster our pipeline um, of talent for the future? And, and, and talk about that and also trying to retain culture in a community and world where more and more people are working remotely. You mentioned travelers. We see some of it in, you know, in the movement of physicians back and forth, particularly in certain specialties, but not, not, not in mass like you see today. And the travelers get paid a premium to come in, and so it becomes very expensive too, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for a health system, if you were behind in, uh, you know, some compensation before, you're really behind now. And so, you know, in a year where um, health systems were really hit during the uh, financially during uh, the pandemic, you know, it's sort of a double whammy on how do you do, how do you correct that compensation to where uh, the market is? And you can't really do it fast enough um, at a time where you may not have the resources to do so. So that's the piece. And then, you know, I think for our teams, um, really exhausted. And, you know, we had a taste of coming out of COVID or seeing seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe the summer. And so now with this surge, it's even harder um, than ever before and a little bit tired and um, not uh, thinking that you're going to have to go through a, maybe another surge. And, and here we are. So I think it's the combination of all those things together that make it particularly difficult. And, and what are you seeing currently in Virginia as to COVID? I know 
we've got in the deep south, we saw very alarming numbers, now starting to crest a little bit. Virginia's more mid-Atlantic. What are you starting to see in Virginia in terms of COVID-19 currently? Yeah, I would see a, a mix. We have some areas, cities, counties that high, have high vaccination rates and others um, that with lower vaccination rates. And, um, we, you know, we're just trying to uh, pull together uh, as as healthcare entities throughout and, and make sure that we're all um, helping each other. I know that uh, there is an institution not too far away that, that really has been hit pretty hard. Um, you know, we're taking um, some some more, but not as as much as others that have really been in the hundreds. Um, you know, some of my colleagues across the nation. So definitely impacting. And I think it's it's sort of uh, maybe the toughest time of the pandemic, just because you know people are uh, exhausted and that um, working um, in surges with the the exhaustion, it can be really hard. And that burnout is even at, at higher risk at this point in the pandemic. Well, especially as you mentioned, when people had a, sort of a breath of freedom from COVID, and then to see it slam right back in many places, I mean, it's very daunting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the the most of the COVID patients are many of them are the unvaccinated, and and that's just hard to reconcile for for many teams within within the the hospital and, and medical center. You've had this very quintessential. A magnificent career where somebody starts in one area, they grow and grow in leadership. They've done it at a few different sort of great academic medical centers, uh, university-driven academic medical centers. You, you've grown from chief pharmacy officer to chief administrative officer to COO to CEO. What advice do you give to a young person or, or an emerging leader trying to have a great career in really two different questions about having a great career and about being a great leader. Any thoughts you could share with, you know, a younger version of yourself? Sure. Not that you're not um, still a kid. Excuse me. <laughs> Maybe three things come to mind. Um, the first is uh, something that actually David Entwistle told me some time ago, and it was really to maximize everything that you can possibly do in your current role and that you'll never or maybe rarely will you have more time than you do right now. So don't be in a rush, take your time, focus in on those skills, the habits, certification, any education that you need um, to take those next steps. And really right now is the time to hardwire sort of your wellness habits. So as you think into the future, what, you know, what do you need for sleep and exercise? And because uh, as your uh, time constraint, um, as you move forward, those are kind of the first things to go. So th- that would be my first piece of advice. The second may be um, to develop an entrepreneurial vision and to be an executor. And and what I mean by this is is really become a sponge. Uh, learn about your organization, where it needs to go, what the competition is up to, and most maybe most importantly, where are the biggest challenges. Um, help solve problems and be an executor. Um, and and just really serve your organization. Um, it, I think when you serve the greatest need of your organization, um, that's really uh, wh- where you're going to learn the most, I think, and also where the opportunities lie, uh, for sure. And then maybe lastly, the the last piece of advice I'd give is uh, become a master communicator. Communication is, is just so essential, no matter what your role and uh, just becomes increasingly important as as we advance in all of our careers. 
So, so really some great advice here, and I'll, I'll summarize all five, and then I'll talk about, a moment about the wellness issue that you mentioned because it's so important. But, but you said maximize what you learn in your current role. Whatever part of life you're in, you're hardly ever going to have more time to do so because as you get more advanced, there's just more distractions in life in all kinds of ways. And that, many of them are very positive distractions, but they take away from your ability to focus. So you went and did your MBA early, did a number of other things early, and so forth. The second thing you noted was wellness, and and I'm in my mid 50s. I don't like to say it too much on the air mm-hmm. because people, you know, might think I'm really really old, but I'm getting there very quickly. It's my mid to late 50s, and if you don't, and you see this amongst your colleagues, if you don't start taking care of your physical and mental well-being relatively early, it gets to a spot in life where it's very very hard to correct for errors that are made over 30 years of not taking care of oneself. So trying to make wellness and figure out what you need for wellness priority, physical and mental well-being becomes harder and harder and a bigger priority as one ages. And so I think so, so important. The third and fourth thing that you said, and I know you categorize this into three, is be an entrepreneur, look for challenges, look for problems, look for solutions, and be an executor. You have to also get things done. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, people earn their stripes by actually getting things done as well. And you have to be an entrepreneur and an executor, see what the challenges are, attack them, put your heart and mind into them, and, and, and make them work. The fifth thing you said, and I know categorizing into three, because you know, and that's partially my fault, but is be a great communicator. And at the end of the day, whether it's in writing or in speaking or how you communicate, it just at the end of the day, in terms of career success, in terms of leadership success, you, you don't see many leaders today that somehow or another aren't great communicators somehow or another. Doesn't mean they're great public speakers. It's good if they are, but it <laughs> might be that they're very good with individual team-driven communications with their other leaders, with their other cohorts, and so forth. But somehow or another, you have to be a great communicator. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And, and Wendy, talk for one more moment about when you look at this year, and you sort of talked about this a little bit earlier in your, your discussion, what are the top three priorities that you look at now as you head towards the end of this year? Yeah, so um, the first would be our teams, Um, you know, nationwide, you know, we know that COVID's taken a toll on all of our teams, Uh, the staffing shortages are are rampant, and there's really a new war on talent, and that's just really intensified, and so caring for our uh, employees and teams uh, within our institutions, for me, is, is my number one priority. The second uh, would be uh, UVA is embarking on a strategic planning process, and I'm just so excited for this to uh, be on this journey. And we're adding our fourth mission area of community and health equity, which uh, is is really exciting to me, and I think it shows where healthcare is 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 headed. And then the third would be um, to really modernize our operations, um, the demand for our services at least here in Charlottesville, is at an all-time high, and we need to really be efficient as possible to make sure that we can serve everyone that needs our care, especially um, during the pandemic. Wendy, just a magnificent pleasure to visit with you. In- incredible. If you, You've uh, clearly mastered this art of communication because you're brilliant to talk with. I want to thank you for joining us today. What a brilliant career. I mean, Charlottesville is one of the great, great places in the country, so I I know that you'll thrive there and the system is thriving. Thank you for taking the time with us today to visit with us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Just magnificent. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Scott.